Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Uh, it has just been uh, man, a wonderful time here. Uh, just looking at the kids, man, they just killed it, didn't they? Huh? They're just they're just rocking it. It's uh, pretty awesome to see, you know, these powerful moves of God and. And many times it deals with people that are not going, it, it, it responds to people that are not going to hold themselves back. Right, right. Right? Um, it, it, it goes along with people that are going to say, I will do whatever it takes. Right, right. And uh, so it is good to be here and, and likewise, it is a privilege and honor to be with our very, very good friends, Pastor and Sister Dominic. And um, they have been our friends for a long time, and we appreciate their kindness, their generosity, their hospitality. If there is something that I notice whenever I come to uh, either the Radcliffe Church or here in Louisville Church, it is your sense of hospitality. And uh, they say that a church will take on some of the personality of the pastors. And uh, we know the Democrats to be kind and to be loving and to be just over the top. And here uh, we see that every time that we come in contact with each one of you, um, maybe not Michelle so much, but <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding, Michelle. I'm kidding. So if you haven't caught up at the last service, um, I said her name wrong, and I publicly apologize. I'm glad it's going to be Shelly. Um, thank you, Archie, very much. Because Toba or whatever, Tobias, we'll get there. It was awesome. No, we, we love uh, Sister Michelle. We, um, I think it was about four years ago that we were out here. Um, you didn't have this building yet, and we got to spend some time and kind of hear a little bit of the heart of Michelle. You know, it's kind of loud. <laughs> Which is good, right? So I felt right at home um, being able to talk to her. So this isn't supposed to be all about Sister Michelle here. Let's <laughs> move on. But uh, I want to also thank uh, Maddox for hooking me up with all the notes. You rock. You're awesome. Thank you. We haven't seen much. We've seen uh, Josh and Jessica running around here with their heads cut off, doing a lot of work and everything. Um, it's always good to see you guys. I really could go through everybody here. Um, it has just been a phenomenal part, and maybe part of it is that this is our last service, and then we have to go back, and, and like I said, it's been four years, and we just love this family. I, want, I need you to know that. I need you to know that you guys have a place in our heart, and uh, so with that being said, before anybody else does any crying, Pastor yeah, Dummett, right, right. Um, let's go to Mark chapter uh, 12, verse 28 through 31. And if you'll stand with me, I am in the New Living Translation. Alright. Um, this is uh, probably well, you know, of course, all the verses are so powerful. But this is one that not only looks at the past and makes sense of the law, right? But also looks to our action in the future. 
So this portion of scripture, if it is not highlighted in your Bible, if it's not highlighted in your U version or whatever, you need to do that. This is good. Here we are, Mark chapter 12, 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, Of all of the commandments, which are the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What I'd like to talk to you about for the next couple moments is about being a good neighbor. Good neighbor. Let's pray. Precious Lord, we thank you, Lord. I pray a blessing on this church. I pray a blessing on, on Radcliffe. Uh, I pray a blessing on uh, the Dummets, Pastor Dummets, and uh, all of this church family. Uh, I pray, Lord God, for an outpouring of financial blessing, um, physical healings, uh, and spiritual blessings. We thank you. We love you. In the name the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Give somebody a high five. Say, hey, we are almost done. We're going to have some food. Now, I realize, I realize that I am in between you and some food. And I noticed that everybody's wearing red, right, and blue. I want you to know that I have red in my socks. Bam! So, I don't know about you, but uh, I have had... Um, through growing up, um, I was in Mason City, Iowa. My dad was a pastor. And I was in Mason City um, from when I was in second grade, which is about eight, nine, um, all the way through uh, my junior year, which was 17. And so uh, many experiences with uh, the neighborhood stuff. We used to play these games. We used to get on bikes and play bike tag. And so we literally chase each other with bikes. And then what you're supposed to do is like slam your stuff into it or come up beside him and kick him. Oh my God. It was awesome. Um, we used to uh, go to, you know, when Target, when the snow would come, we'd go to Target and we'd play in the hills. And um, we would, uh, you know, go down to uh, 22nd Street Park, get crawdaddies. Um, find snapping turtles with with broken off uh, uh, arrows in them. I mean, it was just it was a crazy time. One of the things that we did um, is we also felt that any building was fair game to try and climb it, <laughs> right? So we would climb all the buildings. Um, but as you kind of get into a neighborhood and you have all these, you know, kind of events that are happening. Um, you also begin to meet some of the neighbors. Can I get a name? Amen. Right? You do. You do. You, you begin to meet them. And so uh, there's this one guy. We would go tearing around this block. And uh, and his yard was not the best yard. I mean, it was kind of barren. You don't have patches of grass and everything. And he would literally sit out on a chair. And uh, he would sit out in a chair and he would, he would smoke and he would just sit out and he had like this like this uh, dog collar around his neck, and he's bald head. I know, nothing like me. <clears throat> and he'd sit there, and, and he'd be smoking and doing his deal and everything, and, and he'd have beside him a box of dog treats 
Now, here's the, here's the thing, is that we never saw any dogs. And he's always chewing. I don't know what that's about, right? But every time we would come by, and, and I have to admit that we enjoyed this a little bit, we would come by, and he'd be sitting there, you know, all of a sudden we'd be like, whoa, 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 and there's like eight of us, whoa, whoa, you know, we're like coming real close, and you're like, hey! and when he would stand up, though, he was like eight feet tall. I know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. It was close, so. Actually, he was about seven feet tall. He was a seven feet tall, and we call him the giant. But he would always yell at us and stuff. I mean, and we would we kind of enjoyed this part that he'd be sitting there and all of a sudden, oh, and uh, he he did not like us that well. Um, in fact, there was this moment um, where he had come over to have words with me. I don't know why, because I'm relatively a good child and a pastor's kid. <laughs> so they either say that the pastor's kids are really good or they're really, well, I was the other side. Anyway, he comes up, and so he comes up to the door, and he's like, right, and everything, and, and he's, he's coming up to our street door. We had, like, this porch, and he's coming up, and he's, like, yelling, and my mom's there, and she's like, ah, and I'm like, Mom, let me at him! Let me at him! He's like, Robbie, get back! I think at that point, it was Robbie, Robbie, get back! You know, I don't know. Anyway, um, so my mom goes in, and she calls my dad, right? And about five minutes later, I guess he probably um, worked about 25 minutes away. Probably not, but it felt like it. About five minutes later, this huge orange station wagon, you know, kind of drifted around the corner. My dad gets out, he walks over this high. He's like, all right, blah, 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 you know. You're probably wondering what my point is. My point is this, is that it's very easy and clear for us to see bad neighbors around us. Right? You look around and you see what's happening in this world and what's happening in this world. Things are going crazy. Nuts. You know, you're talking about hate speech. Everybody has hate speech, it seems. Everybody is talking about how they don't like somebody or they don't like this or whatever. I'll tell you what, in the church, in the church, we got to protect about that. We are, we are God's children. And so here we see that, that we have people that are, that are, everything is in chaos, it seems. And not only in chaos, but what's happening is people are now doubting the Bible and they're painting Christians as bad people. And, right? But I need to let you know something. That Jesus Christ and the words that he wrote, that he penned, are still relevant today. In fact, the portion of scriptures is one of the most quoted as to where our attention should focus if we are a true believer, right? Be a good neighbor. And what is more interesting in what's happening in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and the surrounding is the proclamation of these two commandments 
in which the whole law hangs on, right? Loving God and loving your neighbor. In Mark 12, it starts off talking about some of the disputations that are happening in there. Some of the, the issues that are coming up, and, and, and one is, is the parable of the evil father, farmer, excuse me. We understand what that is, right? So you know the story. The story is that this guy, he buys this farm, and, and then he puts some people in charge of it, and then he leaves, and then he sends back a, sends back a, a, a servant, and they say, ha, ah, let's beat him up, or let's intimidate him, let's yell at him and everything. He goes back. Right? And, and he tells the guy, the guy's like, oh, that's not good. He sends another shirt, the other guy, they hit him over the head, send him back. And then finally, after a while, you know, he sends his son. Surely they will respect my son. Right. You get where this is going, right? Surely this, they'll respect him. And what they do, they kill him. And so what was he does? What, what, what will he do now? Now, here's the point. The point Jesus says, of course, you know what I did. They came back and they killed them all. Right? They killed all those evil farmers and started over again. Now, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they understood what was going on here. He's talking about us. He's saying that within us that we're being bad neighbors. That's what he's saying. He, we understand that what Jesus is saying, he's ripping on us. Now, there's more that he began to talk about. He began to talk about how... Um, they were baiting Jesus, weren't they? They were baiting him. They were saying, hey, listen, um, who do you pay taxes to? Right, right. right? He's just trying to get Jesus in trouble. And Jesus like, let me see the Roman coin. And he says, whose inscription is upon this? Pay unto Caesar who is Caesar and pay unto God who is God. Now, that was kind of a truth bomb, too. It's kind of a lobbing uh, grenade because what they understood is they understood that all creation is God's. Right. That means that they were God's property. Right. We also see the application of the law, testing him in the knowledge and the application of the law, right? Because they understood that it was important to have an offspring that could carry on the name. And so they, they put, picked out that one story and they said, what if a, a man and a wife are married and they don't have kids and the man dies and then the brother comes and marries the wife so they can have kids, but they don't have kids and the, that guy dies and then his brother comes right? and they go through seven of them and he says, who will be married in the end up in heaven? What does Jesus say? He says, of course, you understand there's no giving and taking in marriage in heaven. So he, he began to school them, right? He, he began to help them. In, in, in John, actually, it talks about the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. We hear and read about the Good Samaritan. But I like this one. I like it when he's talking to them and he says this. He says, so I have a question for you. And the question is, uh, if David is there and uh, the Messiah is supposed to be the son of David, why did David call the Messiah Lord? Right? You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about that the Messiah was the one God that they served. See, he kept dropping these little bombs here. See, we today live in a secular society where there is little regard for religious, spiritual, or sacred things. Right, right. Secularists 
describe a political or social philosophy that rejects all forms of religious faith. They scream tolerance, yet cannot fathom being under the authority of God or under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And anyone who proclaims their allegiance is the most despicable human beings they can imagine. So it seems. This is concerning to me. So today, I want to share with you what is at stake. <coughs> Souls. Yes, right. See, the whole point of that scripture about being a good neighbor, right? Treating your others as you would treat yourself is about souls. Yes. Many times we try and twist it. And we, we talk about doctrine, we talk about all those things as important as they are. But the truth is, all of this is about souls. Souls coming to Jesus Christ. So my question is, are we doing all we can for souls? For people? For neighbors? Are we reaching them with truth? Or, or comfortable allowing them to prattle along in their own direction? With no faith and no future? Let that sink in for a moment. I don't think we can as God's children. Over the last couple weeks, I've been grappling with Jesus' two greatest commandments. Not that He has said them, but how far we have fallen from His teaching. Hear me. Hear me. The Bible says that in the last days, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, what does it say? And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. New Living Translation says it this way, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Yes. Come on, is that where we're at? We are. We're right smack dab in the middle and that's why this message is so important. Right. We've got to get it. I think, I think we're living in the last days. Maddox is going to help me out in a second with the video. At least it doesn't seem like a Mr. Rogers sort of neighborhood, at least. Amen? Right. Hook me up, bud. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Where you be fine? Where you be fine? It's a neighborhood day in this beautiful day. A neighborhood day for beauty. Where you be fine? Where you be fine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. running up until 2001 and in 2002 um, something else took over but it ran that long with reruns and such um, 
And see, the battle is not only for our neighbors, but it's also for our minds and our hearts remaining vigilant and on point and being a good neighbor. Right. Now, not just in a strictly secular sense, but in a spiritual sense. That's my point. Secular is, is painted through how this way of living benefits me. That's what secular is. While spiritual sense is how does this living benefit the kingdom of God. We need to be mindful because there is a pressure to see things in secular terms. Amen? Amen. To love God with all. To love your neighbor is not advice. It is a command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That means that uh, I'm loving my neighbor as long as their dog doesn't come over into my yard. Right? Well... Preach, preach. See, loving God in hard times when things aren't going our way. It's not based on blind faith, but a confidence in God under any circumstances. You know what it is? It's a certain type of faith. It is the Job chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him type of faith. See, what happens here and now in this lifetime is not so important. What is important is, are we certain or sure of what we believe? Are we absolutely certain of the gospel testimony of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead? Are we certain uh, in, in God's promise of resurrection for us if we truly believe and obey Him? Do we really believe that? That is what will give you the courage to make real sacrifices in your service to Him. See, if we discount or remove God's promised future beyond this life, we have nothing. Nothing but this life, which for most of us is less than 100 years, by the way. See, this is... This is, it's about His atoning work at Calvary. It makes our belief in the crucifixion absolutely necessary. Because He bore, B-O-R-E, in the human body, not just our weaknesses and mortality, but He bore our sins. The feeling of love for God does not come automatically or easily, especially when we're overtaken by disappointments and disasters, when we are making an effort to remain faithful and our hopes have faded. It's important. See, there's this connection between your faith in God and, and your love in God. Right? There is. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You may contend that you have been there and have done that. But if we are not listening, right? right. Doesn't it go on to this part? How will they believe if they don't have a preacher? Right. Right. If they do not hear, right? Yes. See, I'm talking about being a good neighbor. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. There's this uh, guy who used to live next to us <coughs> in Caledonia and he had built a fence up um, between our two properties, and I guess he had issues with the former former uh, neighbors that lived there. And 
And uh, his yard was just immaculate, immaculate. And so we began to decide when we first lived there that man, we got to reach this guy, right? You know, we want to tell about Jesus. Um, and uh, as we are trying to do that, you know, we have a tree and its leaves go into his yard, and, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, but after a while, we began. Hey, we need to have a. a we need to have a plan here. So um, I unleashed uh, my wife, and uh, she did some snooping. <laughs> Got his social security number, his bank. No, she didn't. Do that. <laughs> she found out his birthday, and so we put a card together and gave it to him on his birthday, and we just began to just be good neighbors. And and you know what happened out of that? We had this guy who was just like on our team. There's this one time we'd gone out of town for like a week, okay? And uh, how, our, how our house was laid out is that there's this road here, and then the road came into the neighborhood, okay, or the cul-de-sac. His house is here, ours is here on the corner, our driveway is on the back end, so you can't see us drive in, okay? So anyway, uh, he had left, and, and we'd asked him to get our mail. He got our mail. Anyway, we get home. We're there for like 10 minutes. All of a sudden, there's this knock at the door. I'm like, oh my goodness, who's here? We just got here. Nobody knows we're here. Here's Ken. <laughs> hey, here's your mail. I'm like, how does this guy know? I mean, we knew that our house was protected any time we left. Simply for being a good neighbor. Now, I'd love, to, I'd love to tell you the great story of, of how he came and got saved, and, and unfortunately, that I'd never seen that side of it. I remember once going up and asking him, and I said, hey, um, we have service on this date. Would you like to go? He goes, I won't be attending that. <laughs> okay. But we began to pray for him. We began to minister to him in any way that we can, because that's what it is. That's what God has asked us to be. Colossians chapter 3, 9 through 11 says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You won't be renewed if you have the attitude that you've been there and done that, and have a t-shirt. You have to believe that he's God, and that there is no other. Paul exhorts in Hebrews chapter 6, the Christian Jews to be steadfast in the faith. So I want to give you four components of being a good neighbor. Number one, the ability to say hi to a neighbor. Everybody practice. Hi. That works, right? See, we need to remember that, that we have neighbors, that we are not just locked in our houses and not and, and, and no interaction with the world. We need uh, people to be open to niceness. Now, I know we read the scriptures of being separate. Second Corinthians, right? Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Now, let me just point this out. That is good. But let me tell you what the context is. The context is, is that we shouldn't be like the world in having other idols. Right. Right. That's the context. Right. Many times we're thinking, oh my goodness, I can't even talk to somebody. 
Because I've been saved. Wrong. We are the hope. We are the light. We are the ones that give somebody the opportunity to see who Jesus Christ is. Amen. Context matters. Our dad is God. The things most important to me is for sure not the Green Bay Packers. Can I get an amen? That was easy. I don't want to get a little bit closer to you guys. <laughs> See, the course here of time that we experience these conversions of conversations about Jesus, but let's have relationships and show them to Jesus Christ. So number one is the ability to say hi to neighbors. Number two, do good deeds for your neighbors. These are good. One time... I hear something happening in my driveway. And I look out and uh, I see my neighbor and he's got a four, four-wheeler, right? And he's got a little uh, uh, scooper on the front and uh, it's winter time and what happens is my, my driveway is that all the ice kind of goes down and then it freezes at the bottom and so it's like all junky and everything. He's up there and he's like, Burr. you know what I mean? He's pushing this out. I'm like, dude, that's a good neighbor. And then he asks us to watch our cat. Oh. <laughs> See, sometimes doing good deeds are not always going to be the best, right? We walked into the, the house and the cat was hissing at us the whole time. <laughs> I am not a cat person. I think I think it's I think cats are cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I would really like to see, you know, if you took them by the tail, really threw them up in the air, see if it's still landing. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. We're here. All right. But but sometimes, as neighbors are good neighbors, just going to have to do things. I remember another guy, um, when we had first got there and got into our house, we didn't have a lawnmower that was working. And so he would come over and mow our lawn like two weeks in a row. That was also um, the way that uh, I convinced my wife to give me a riding lawnmower. I am. See, God just keeps on giving. Right? I'm telling you that experiences come out of these. But we need to do that. It isn't, it isn't good deeds for reciprocity, though. It isn't good deeds so that somebody will be good to me. That's not why we do it. We do it because it's good neighborly. Watching uh, each of these areas begin to just develop in the relationships. This is what Jesus was saying when he said, love your neighbor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power or action or deed, right? That's what the kingdom of God is. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love or in the spirit of meekness? Of course. Love, spirit of meekness. Number three, don't neglect your property. You want to be a good neighbor? Don't neglect your property. Don't keep your yard cut just for yourself. You keep the trash clean, pick up the dog doodle in the, in the garbage, put it in the garbage. You do it so it doesn't reflect badly on your neighbor. Showing by how you live that you are respectable, honorable, hardworking, dependable, somebody to be dependent on. Otherwise, 
Why would they want to come talk to you? Do, do you know of anybody out there that's like, all right, let me see. I need to find somebody whose life is totally falling apart so I can go talk to them. I need advice from somebody that definitely doesn't have it together. No, I don't think so. I'm not saying that we need to be uh, lying and, and misrepresenting ourselves. We need to be real. We need to be real that we have struggles. But I'm telling you that, that they're looking, people are looking for people to talk to. Right. Right. So take care of your life. Take attention to these things. What you do, do as unto the Lord. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Right. Number four. Finally, a good neighbor shares advantages. You share advantages. You share the deals that you find. You share the coupons. You share faith in God. You share baptism in Jesus' name right. for the remission of sins. Right. See, here's where I feel like we've got to get a look at that. We're living in this postmodern generation where everybody's supposed to find truth for themselves. Right? They, they, they have to figure it out. They have to find it. And, and they don't want you telling them anything. Right? Right? That's kind of where we're living a little bit. But I'll tell you what, that is not true love. No. Do you get me? Mm -hmm. True love is saying, hey, listen, let me tell you where the best deals are. Let me tell you where salvation is. Yes. Right. I don't want them to just kind of prattle through life and, and, and bound into all of these different problems and trials and tribulations if I can help them. So it's important to show advantages. Show by how you, uh, show by how you speak to them. A perspective of a soul winner to Christ is always looking for an opportunity to introduce a soul to God. Right. Right. And one of the greatest moments in my life was uh, the first person that I shared Jesus Christ with. We were in a Whitehead Pantry parking lot in a conversion van, and I was talking to her about who Jesus Christ was. And I remember that I invited her to the youth group and everything, and I remember the one day that I was walking down the aisle, and she had just got baptized. And she's at the end of the aisle and she sees me coming and she comes running at me and jumps in my arms. Thank you so much for telling me that I needed to be baptized and have my sins washed away. Right? Acts 22.16. See, Bishop Campbell once said, that there is no such thing as a churchless Christ. KJ 5.2 said, Life without Christ is a life that is never fixed. That is truth. The church of God has been ordained by God Himself to be washed in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. It's the church which he purchased with his own blood in Acts chapter 20 verse 8. 
It's the church of Christ that God has set forth to be an appropriation through faith in His blood in Romans chapter 3, verse 25. It is the church that is redeemed through His blood in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and Colossians 1, 4. It is the church that is sanctified with His blood in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. And as the blood is declared to be the blood of the everlasting covenant of God as it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. See, while talking about the blood, consider the fact that circumcision and the blood put a Hebrew into covenant with God. It was the Old Testament type of New Testament water baptism that washed away man's sins. Baptism is the way you put a person in a covenant. And when I say covenant, I'm not talking about a contract built on steps, built on that if it's broken, this happens. But a covenant which is built on pledging of love to one another. The, the covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, baptism puts us in that. You need scripture for that? Got it. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. For as many as you as we're baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now why in the world would he say that you have to be baptized if you just have to believe? Who's lying to us here? Are we taking this out of context? No, he said, baptism into Christ have put on Christ. In order to inherit the, the be heirs according to the promise. What is the promise? Everlasting life. See, being a good neighbor is more than just allowing people to do what people do with love. That is a bad unconnected neighborly advice. A neighbor is someone who cares about their neighbor's property. Right. Right. Their neighbor's livelihood. That means that if the neighbor's gone and they hear that the sump pump is going, they get to the, the hidden key and they go downstairs and they help, help with that. That's what that means. So how much more with our souls? Would you all stand with me? Many times I think back to the people that have spoken into my life. And I remember that what it was, it wasn't just that I liked the person. However, that was a huge part of it, right? But it was that I saw it in the Word of God. Today is the day of salvation. Today is when we get to work on being a great neighbor. 
standing out from the world and the philosophies of the world. Right? Say hi. Do a good deed. Take care of your property. And share advantages. Advantages. I'd like to pray with you today. As we kind of enter into this event, I, I feel that there is an opportunity for the church to see some of the greatest revival that it's ever seen in its existence. And if there's one thing that I know about the Radcliffe Church and the, Louis, uh, the Louisville Church, that is this. This is a revival church. Transformation expected. And the people, oh, give me anybody. Let me allow them to meet you. Because you're awesome. Precious Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to speak to our hearts, Lord God, and understand that the influence that you have put within us, the importance of being treating others as we would want to be treated, as being a good neighbor, knowing that you are the one true God. I pray, Lord Jesus, within those, for those within the sound of my voice, Lord God, that as we desire and lend to your great cause and purpose for our lives, help us, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to open up this altar in a second. And maybe you might want to come and talk to God. Maybe you know of a neighbor that needs a touch. And of course, when I'm talking about a neighbor, I'm talking about anybody that is around you. Not just live in the proximity of your house. But maybe you notice, maybe, that, that you need some changes in, in how you're being a good neighbor. Or maybe possibly you're here saying, wow, there's so much more that I need to know about Jesus Christ. I pray in the name of Jesus. Bless this congregation. In Jesus' name. This altar is open. Please come. Please talk to the Lord. God bless you.